almost like you just have two lives. You have your baseball life and you have your home life because, you know, you go back to your friends at home and then you regain the friendships. Uh, you, you know, you pick up where you left off when you left for spring training. You learn as a player very early on is that, you know, you're not just, you're not just playing for one team, you're playing for all 30, especially in the minors, because everyone's always watching. That can really motivate you as a player to know that, you know, I may be in some small city in some small town and no one's in the stands, but, you know, my performance still can affect, you know, other teams' opinions of me. I mean, everybody comes to a certain point where, you know, the money runs out, especially in the minors, where you have to then, you know, think about, you know, your life with your family and everything and make a, you know, financial decision. But, you know, I am fortunate now that, you know, to finally be off that minor league pay scale. This is Beyond the Slash Line, and I'm your host, Tim Hyman. For those of you just finding this podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. Here's how it works. Every episode, we bring in a minor league baseball player. We don't talk about on-field issues or activities. What we're examining are the things away from the field. Their personal lives, their upbringing, their backgrounds. Basically, the things you don't see in a player biography, and definitely things that can't be explained on a stat line. In this episode, we talk with Adam Kolarik. He spent the first six seasons of his pro career as a New York Mets farmhand, but in the last year and a half has been released by the Mets, signed by the Orioles, picked up on the Rule 5 draft by the Rays, and most recently signed by the Braves as a minor league free agent. We talk about that ride. We talk about his upcoming wedding in November. We discuss his father's influence, his father Frank, a former minor league player himself, And we also discuss the differences between a minor league free agent contract and an entry-level contract. That's all here on Beyond the Slash Line. I hope you enjoy. We're back here on the Beyond the Slash Line podcast. We're happy to be joined by Adam Kolarik. Adam, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. No, No problem. Great to talk to you. All right. To catch everyone up to speed, I know Adam from his time with the New York Mets organization when he was with the Binghamton Mets. Adam, you have since gone through for a couple of weeks, the Orioles organization, then the Rays, and and now you're eyeing uh, the 2017 season with the Braves. We'll get into that a little bit. We always seem to start with these to, to get a feel of where you guys came from in your upbringing. You're a Maryland native, born in the Baltimore area, raised in Catonsville. Can you tell me a little bit about what life was like uh, as a young Adam Kalerik and, and how you, you took a liking to baseball? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, baseball is something that, you know, I've Loved uh, very early on. Uh, my dad uh, was a player. He uh, was a catcher and made it to AAA and daily camp and everything with the Oakland A's organization. So, uh, you know, baseball and, you know, I mean, sports in general, I mean, just kind of ran in my family. Uh, you know, I have three sisters and they're all very athletic. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything that was, um, you know, it was, it was all very natural. You know, we, all, we always were playing out back together and I was always meeting up with my friends to play, uh, you know, all, all different kinds of sports, but uh, baseball, you know, I think uh, has always been my true passion for, you know, not just, you know, playing, but, you know, learning about, and you know, watching uh, professional sports and watching games on TV. Some guys realize they have a special gift for it early. I mean, some guys you can see are the stars of their little league team and their high school team and then go on to college. Other guys don't really come into their own until 
later on in college. When would you say you knew you had the knack uh, to succeed in the baseball world? Um, you know, it's funny. I, like, I don't think I've ever really thought of it that way. You know, as I was going through the process, I never was like, you know, I'm, I got what it takes to be a professional or anything. It, it was more about uh, I just love playing all the time. You know, I love playing all different positions and like in Little League, obviously, even being left-handed, you know, I would play the infield, you know, shortstop, and then outfield, you know, I, I continued to play in high school and into college. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, I just wanted, you know, to be the best, you know, I just wanted to always do my best. And, you know, I think the whole idea of being professional was more of just, you know, it was something that I, I never necessarily was like, you know, I'm definitely going to be, a, you know, in minors or, you know, fight my way to try to get a big league, you know, spot. It was more about, you know, I just love playing. And, um, you know, I, I was luck, definitely lucky that I played with a lot of good, comp, you know, a lot of good competition, a lot of other players, you know, even at my high school that, um, you know, went to big time colleges and had an opportunity to play some pro ball. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, see if I could, uh, you know, put myself, uh, you know, in, into the same game or in the lineup and, and just compete against them. It was just, it was just fun. And, you know, I think even still today, I, I don't view it as, you know, if I don't make it to the big league, it'd be like, you know, some sort of failure at all. I feel like it's more of a, uh, I just want to keep playing and, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make the team. And then, you know, so far I've always made the team. So just, that's always been my goal. Even, you know, when you try out for, you know, travel ball teams and high school teams and, you know, college teams, you know, I just always fight and try to make the team. And, you know, I've been lucky so far. I have. have you been able to, you know, in your time across, uh, professional baseball from 2010 you talk about that mentality where for you you're just continuing to play this game for as long as you can and I've seen you know similar personal mantras specifically from a guy like Chase Boyd who's had the same approach where look I'm just going to keep playing for as long as I can have you seen similar uh, mantras in guys you've come across in your time in Pro Bowl as opposed to those guys that are just dead set on defining their success by if they made the major leagues or not? Uh, sure. I mean, everyone, I think, has their own mentality. And, and, you know, I think, you know, your upbringing and kind of the scenario that, you know, everybody has their own kind of, you know, baseball story. You know, some guys are, you know, high draft picks. Some guys weren't drafted and signed as, you know, as free agents. And, you know, with each part of your story, it's kind of like it adds up into the person you are and, you know, kind of your mentality, I believe. To me, I mean, I was never you know, supposed to be the guy, you know, it was always like, I've always felt sort of, you know, like, you know, I can play, but, you know, we're not quite sure about him. But like, I always have the personal, you know, mantra that, you know, you can, you know, take your time with whatever, you know, however long it takes, but I'm going to eventually convince you that I'm the guy you want out there and, you know, in big time situations. And I've always felt that, you know, once you give me my chance to prove it and I'll, I'll show you, I can do it. And then, you know, from there, I just keep on doing it. You know, it's kind of more of a, you know, that kind of fuels my fire. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not going to press or I'm not going to worry. It's just like, you know, once you give me my shot, I'm going to, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it every time. It's just that personal athletic competitive mindset that I think different people have. And, you know, I think it comes along from, you know, what you've experienced throughout your baseball uh, story. Your dad played for four seasons professionally. He played before you were born. How much of an influence has he been on on your approach to success, specifically in that the Pro Bowl ranks? Um, 
I mean, he's been my biggest influence. Uh, you know, we talk after every uh, outing of uh, you know during throughout the throughout the season, and it's you know it's not. I don't think it's a very typical conversation that a lot of people get to have with their you know with their father um, because you know we obviously share the same background and have been through a lot of similar experiences. So we have very in depth and I think uh, very you know different and very um, very interesting conversations just because it's you know something that we both understand and love so much and you know uh, it was never he never pushed baseball upon me it was it was just natural you know we just enjoyed playing together and he enjoyed you know taking me to Orioles games you know as a kid and you know we still try to see an Orioles game. Uh, you know, when I get home from my season before, you know, the big league season's over. And it's just, it's never something that, you know, we even think twice about. It's just, you know, we love watching the game. We love talking about it. And we love uh, trying to, you know, grow and compete as, you know, players. And now him uh, as my dad and as my, you know, you know it's, it's, I've never looked at him as my coach because it's not, you know, it's not that kind of relationship. He's just my dad and it's our thing. We've had one of your former teammates, Jace Boyd, on this podcast, and, and he talked about how baseball was really like a binding agent in his family where you know, friends and family, aunts and uncles, his parents, his grandparents would come together to watch him play, and, and him being a professional was sort of a, a central thing for his family. Do you see a similar thing with your family where baseball has played such a key role in bringing you guys together for events? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think the thing that changes when you become you know in the, in the minors and in the professional ranks is there's just so many games now so like when I was you know in high school there was so few games and then college same deal especially when you're traveling around there's only some few opportunities where they're able to come and see you play um, you know I have three sisters and we're all kind of spread out throughout the country um, so you know it's not so much that you know, they need to be there you know, for every game, but I just already know that, you know, I have their support and their love and, you know, they always send me good, you know, nice messages and we talk on the phone throughout the year just to, you know, stay close and stay, uh, you know, connected, you know, as best we can, uh, you know, but my parents, you know, they've always been very more than willing to uh, travel, you know, anywhere to see me. Um, I mean, they just told me last night they, they got their tickets and their hotels for spring training this year down in Orlando with the Braves. And, you know, they're, they couldn't be more excited. I mean, number one, to come and watch me play you know, with Big League Camp. But I think, uh, you know, just it's a vacation. You know, it's, they get to get out of the cold and go down to Florida and enjoy the, <laughs> the, the fun of being in spring training, which is, you know, something that all baseball fans feel. And Adam, you go from Catonsville, Mar- or Catonsville High School to the University of Maryland, staying pretty close to home. You're there for three seasons. The Mets make you an 11th round pick in 2010. Can you take me through the negotiations of having that choice between going back to school or signing a pro deal? Sure. I mean, you know, kind of what I said a little bit earlier, I, you know, I never had an expectation to be drafted in a certain round. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. It was just, you know, I was competing as hard as I could, trying to get as good as I could be at Maryland. And, uh, you know, getting to face really good competition and, and Maryland at the time was still in the ACC. So there are just so many good schools that I was constantly playing against. And I knew if I could just, you know, play right away as a freshman and get to um, play against those good competitions. I mean, I played against Jace at Florida State. I mean, those were tough games because we were 
obviously outmatched compared to them, but I knew if I got in there and did well that, you know, the same scouts that were seeing, you know, Jason, different people at those bigger schools um, were going to see me. And, and that's how I, you know, I could put my name out there uh, as far as deciding between college, going back to college and signing pro. It was, I mean, it was honestly pretty easy. I mean, uh, once I mean, you don't know if that's going to be your only opportunity. I mean, college coaches can tell you, you know, come back for one more year, you know, you'll get even better. You'll go even higher. I mean, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. I mean, sure that could happen, but you could also get injured and anything could happen. So for me, just, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and you're only gonna, your window to be a player is so short that, you know, I feel like you have to take any uh, opportunity that comes your way to, to take that next step and take that chance. How quick was that turnaround to go from getting drafted signing the contract, leaving Maryland, and then reporting to, I believe, Kingsport was your first stop. Correct, yeah. Uh, yeah, it went by really fast. Uh, you know, I had, you know, I was going to go back to the same summer ball team that I played for the previous year um, had I not signed. But, I mean, the Mets came, you know, I think pretty quickly with their offer. And, you know, I signed pretty quickly as well because, you know, I wanted to show that I, you know, was obviously very excited and wanted to get started right away. And, uh, I mean, this, I mean, really, the decision was pretty easy. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I always know that I can go back and get my degree, which, you know, I, that is my plan. That is what I'm going to do. It's just, you know, like I said, everybody has their own story. So my story is just kind of, you know, college interrupted for a little bit, go play, and then, uh, you know, figure out the rest of life and and uh, get my degree when, you know, when the time comes. Adam, I took a look at that last roster for the University of Maryland. I was curious to see where guys came from. A lot of guys from Maryland, maybe a few guys from Texas and, and other states, or maybe Virginia. You shift gears, you join the pro ranks, and I was looking at that first Kingsport roster, and you were just one of four guys from the Northeast. Was there uh, any sort of culture shock going from you know, Maryland to, to now a pro roster with guys from all over the hemisphere, pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I guess I never really thought of it that way. I mean, it wasn't like I, you know, I didn't feel like it, uh, it you know, it, it didn't take me a while to get, you know, used to it. It was just, it was just so cool. It was just so much fun. I mean, you know, Kingsport, Tennessee, I mean, what else would I ever spend time there? Uh, you know, other than with baseball, I mean, probably not. So, I mean, it just was the first step in, you know, the baseball ride of being in these small, small little cities, uh, meeting new people at every stop. I mean, I think if anything, the biggest culture shock was going from, I mean, Baltimore is a good sized city and, you know, I'm used to the city life here. Then going to Kingsport, you know, that's a different lifestyle. And then I was in Kingsport for about two, three weeks, and then I went to Brooklyn. And you couldn't get more different than Kingsport and Brooklyn, but the players, you know, being from, you know, Latin American countries and all over, I mean, a lot of Southern players, a lot of West Coast guys. I mean, it was just cool. I mean, it, it was, you know, I was just finally where I wanted to be, and, you know, it didn't take me long to get used to it. Whether it came down to maybe living arrangements or, or money or travel, do you remember what your first welcome to the minor league life moment was? Uh, I mean, the minor league life has its ups and its downs. I mean, the upside is, I mean, you get to play every day. You get to meet, you know, these new professional coaches. I mean, my manager um, uh, in Kingsport, you know, DeFelice, he, he played as a big league catcher. And, I mean, Mike DeFelice, I mean, getting an opportunity to talk to a former big league catcher as my first, you know, minor league manager, I mean, that's that, that sort of stuff's invaluable. Um, so I think my first 
you know, welcome to the minors moment was the, just the reality. I mean, this is, you know, it's the big boy, you know, league, you know, each step you take, you know, it just gets more elite at each stop. And, you know, you, you just have to learn quickly what it takes to keep moving up. I can remember my first year in, in professional baseball, I ran into a scout for the Philadelphia Phillies, Eric Valent, whom I had followed when he was a New York Met. I grew up a Mets fan. And that was my realization that this this baseball world is actually pretty small. And with so many guys in it coming down from the major leagues, you run into them so often. Do you get used to that and accustomed to you know meeting someone who's got a big name? For example, I mean, it was kind of ordinary in Binghamton to have a former Met great Mookie Wilson in the clubhouse. Sometimes did did you get accustomed to that? In a sense, I mean, it's it's it's. I think what you learn quickly is that these guys are just. Uh, they're just other, you know, normal baseball players. I mean, everybody's just a you know former player, and they're just regular people, regular guys. And when you start to, you know, as a kid, when you're watching them on TV, it just seems like, you know, it's it's in the whole new planet. You know, these people are just, you know, out of this world. And um, for me, getting to be around, you know, like like you said, Mookie Wilson. I mean, and then you know having you know the honor to play for you know Glenn Abbott. I mean, he I mean he was a former big leaguer with the A's and the Mariners, and he was my pitching coach for like four or five years almost. Uh, Frank Viola, I mean, these are names that, you know, in the baseball small community is just, you know, it's big time. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it ever loses its, you know, lust or lore or anything, but it's, you know, you get to see the people and you get to know the people and realize, I think that helps uh, all of us players. I mean, you just realize, you know, it is just, just a game and it's just, you know, the same, you know, same people that you've been with your whole career and they're just, you know, different levels of it. I want to talk a little bit about friendships when you're a pro ball player. It can be tough, guys moving back and forth, but at other times you do climb the ladder along with with other people. And although maybe the path might diverge, you can come back. Uh, I know you're coming back from a, a wedding with a former player that was uh, with you in Binghamton. Uh, how, how tough is it to maintain friendships with fellow players when you're all trying to climb that same ladder? Uh, I think it really just, uh, it's something that we all get used to in terms of, you know, you're, you're with each other for, you know, every hour of the day for seven months, just about. And then even just when the season's over, you go, you're different, uh, you're different ways back home. And you're, it's almost like you just have two lives. You have your baseball life and you have your home life because, you know, you go back to your friends at home and, then you regain the friendships. Uh, you you know you pick up where you left off when you left for spring training. So I think we we get used to it in a sense, and we stay close because um, you know of all the ties we've shared. And like you know, it's you, know, you have the little inside jokes, and you stay in touch throughout the off season. And um, you know, it really just comes down to effort. I mean, you make the little extra effort to keep in touch, give somebody a call every once in a while, and you know those friendships can really last. And you know, I've been really really lucky to you know have you know, a core group of friends that, you know, now we're going to each other's weddings and, you know, some of the guys, you know, they're having their, you know, for first kids and babies are popping out everywhere. So it's now like this whole other side of life that we're graduating to where it's, you know, not just, you know, Hey, you know, you know, what have you been up to lately? It's, you know, how's the life? How's the kids? You know, that's, it's pretty exciting. Have you found it's difficult to articulate the minor league life, the pro ball life to people that really aren't familiar with, how it all works. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really, unless you go through it, you have no idea. I mean, and, it, and it's not like, you know, it's not anyone else's fault. I mean, it's just, you know, the, what's required of you personally to survive and continue to get better 
um, you know, on your own in these small towns. I mean, every, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, when you get drafted that you're just, you know, days away from being in the big leagues. I mean, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, you know, people, you know, think that, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, the, I think too, with other sports, I mean, you see, you know, how popular football is and, you know, there's no real minor league system with football, right? I mean, there's, you know, practice squads, but, uh, you know, when you get drafted in football, you're, you know, you're in the big time right away. Uh, similar with basketball. Um, I mean, aside from the D league, but I mean, what I'm saying is there's so many levels. People don't realize you have to, you know, take each step and there's very few, you know, elite players, you know, that are able to do that very quickly. I mean, there's a reason that they're, you know, they're, they're the superstars and that, but the other 95%, I mean, they, you got to fight and claw your way to the top. Adam, when you were in Binghamton, it always seemed like when there was some sort of player appearance or community outreach event, you were almost on speed dial for, for the person that organized that. And and it seemed like you were that guy, that go-to guy. What did you get out of that? And I'm sure that continues with your time at future teams where you have been a great guy when it comes to being involved with the community. Well, I mean, honestly, like the selfish part of it, you know, for me that I got out of it was it, it was a way to break up the daily routine. I mean, if you, if you don't volunteer to help out, I mean, then your, then your, your daily schedule before you go to the field can be so mundane and boring. I mean, if you wanted to, you could just, you know, stay in bed all day until the afternoon, grab lunch and go to the field. And, you know, to me, that just gets so old so quick that, you know, and, and not only that, you're around the same people every day, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, everyone at the stadium and they're great people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, to me, it, it keeps me fresh, you know, it keeps my mind, you know, fresh knowing that, you know, the, these, you have this small window of opportunity to meet people in this town that, you know, you're probably never going to be in again other than when you're playing and to have, you know, any sort of effect, um, you know, especially with kids, of you know, all ability ranges, uh, going to the schools and talking to them. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, you put on a jersey, even it might be, you know, the double A jersey, you go into a school. I mean, those kids, you know, they, they think you're, you know, a big leaguer. So, I mean, there's no better feeling than to, you know, help someone out, especially children. And, you know, you, I mean, you take the jersey off and I walk, you know, anywhere else, you know, you know, no one knows. So it's pretty cool that, you know, you have a little opportunity in life to actually really help people and, you know, you know, hopefully affect their lives in a positive way. How long did that take for you to be in Pro Bowl to realize the impact you could have at that level, in that position, to, to specifically kids? Uh, I think I learned it really quick because, um, especially, I mean, Kingsport, we, I, I, I do remember um, we did some stuff in some schools, and it was cool to see, but, you know, it didn't have a huge, you know, it, it didn't quite click with me then. But I really, just because it was such a small town, but I really felt it when I went to Brooklyn, because we, I mean, I mean, even in college, we didn't get that many people in the, in the stands. So going to Brooklyn and playing like in front of six, seven, eight thousand people a night, you really get to be around. You know, you get to see the buzz, you know, around the stadium and the excitement, and then getting to work with kids from there. Whether it's you know camps or different stuff where they come to the field, you see like more and more of it all the time. I think that's when it really starts to take effect. And and you have gotten accustomed to that, and and you, have you been able to like feed off that? Is that something one of those redeeming qualities about the job where you give up so much, you sacrifice so much, and you know, the the job requires so much? But there are certain aspects that really you could only get in that in this position. Is that something that keeps you going? 
Absolutely. I mean, like I said, it keeps me fresh. And and when you go to the field, even if you have to, you know, you got to wake up a little earlier, maybe you have to do appearance in the morning. Um, when you go to the field, you, I mean, you feel like you've already accomplished a lot for that day. And, you know, as a relief pitcher, you know, you might not play that night. So you got to find a way, you know, to, you know, make the most of each day. I mean, that's just a part of life. I think that I've learned through baseball is no matter what, you know, the daily you know schedule may be or the task you need to accomplish that day, you know, making the most of all your time, you know, don't just, don't just waste your time, make the most of all of it. I want to get into a few details about, you know, transitioning from the first organization you've ever pitched for the New York Mets to several other, other teams. And after the 2015 season, you get released by the Mets. And then for three weeks, you're testing the pool of free agency before the Orioles sign you to a minor league deal. What, what were those three weeks like and, and what sort of uh, emotions did you have as you were making that transition to uh, another team? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I think what caught me most by surprise was, I mean, I understood that, you know, these things happen all the time. So I, I wasn't the first player to ever get released. Uh, so I think you're a little, you know, shell-shocked at first. Just, you know, how do I handle this? And what do I say? And, you know, what's the next step? Because you're always, you know, I like to be prepared with everything. So it's like, you know, well, when can I start, you know, talking to other teams? So for me, I, I think I was just surprised because I had done so well with, you know, the, this adjustment I had made towards the end of the season. And I really thought that it was kind of going to kind of buy me some more time with the Mets. But fortunately, you have to, you learn as a player very early on is that, you know, you're not just, you're not just playing for one team. You're playing for all 30, especially in the minors, because everyone's always watching, you know, and that, that can really motivate you as a player to know that, you know, I may be in some small city in some small town and no one's in the stands, but, you know, my performance still can affect, you know, other teams' opinions of me. And that's really coming to effect now that, you know, I signed with the Orioles. I didn't even get a chance to play with them. I was super excited because, you know, they're my team and my hometown team. Of course, my whole, you know, little community of friends and, uh, you know, people I grew up with, you know, couldn't have been more pumped, you know, for me to be, you know, an Oriole. So, uh, when the Rays then took me in the Rule 5, you know, that was even, in a way, that was a little disappointing because, you know, just the excitement around the Orioles. But for me, it was really exciting to know that, you know, the Rays must really want me. They must really like me. So, I mean, that just rejuvenated my sense of, you know, motivation and realized that, you know, you know, I'm still in it. You know, I'm still, I still got a chance. So, you know, I had a great year with the Rays and, you know, having the mindset, you know, that of a fresh start, you know, something – to those, you know, three weeks before I'd sign, you know, it's like, you know, even when, you know, you're at your low, you know, just you got to keep your head down and keep working because you got to be ready for when that next call comes. So I think those, those three weeks, you know, just, you know, you have a little, you know, up and down with your, with your uh, emotions, but in the, in the end, you know, it was a good lesson that, you know, just because, you know, one door closes, you know, you got to be ready for the next one. And how tough was it to separate the business side of it from, from the game itself that you've fallen in love with? Uh, you know, honestly, for the most part, um, I mean, my dad certainly helped me out with it. I mean, there's no, no denying that. I mean, uh, I, I think it, you know, everyone has, you know, has to know when, you know, is when it's over. And to me, I knew it wasn't over because I was still getting better. You know, I think, and I've seen different guys, you know, it's tough and I see them get released. And then, you, you know, you have certain thoughts and it's like, you know, you know, did they just, you know, not deserve it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they, you know, did they, you know, earn, you know, as far as they got, you know, was this, was this as good as they could have done? 
And for sometimes the answer is yes. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's where they're going to peak out and that's fine. You know, everybody has their own path. But for me, I just, I just felt inside that I was still getting better. And I was like, you know, this, this can't be the end. So I really, I really, I wasn't, you know, I didn't lose my confidence from it because I knew I was still getting better. How strange was it that you're going through this limbo period while the Mets, this is 2015, are making their run to the World Series? Uh, honestly, I didn't really think about it at all in, in that sense. Um, you know, so many of the players, you know, that had such key roles in that playoff, you know, I was drafted with. So, I mean, it wasn't ever a sense of, you know, jealousy or, you know, it wasn't like it was hard to watch. Like, I was rooting really hard for him just, you know, because that's the fun side of baseball now. It's like, you know, you turn on TV and now you're seeing guys you played with or against and it's, you know, it's really cool. I mean, I don't, I mean, I know people have different mindsets uh, and different, you know, feelings towards that. But I mean, as a, ba- I mean, I was a baseball, I mean, I was a baseball fan before I was a player and I'm, you know, I'm always going to be a fan. So now it's just, it's just really cool. I mean, we're all, because you, know, you know, the personal side of everything with these players and what they've gone through. I mean, you know, Jake DeGrom was a good friend and, you know, seeing him come back from his injury and then have all that success, you know, it was awesome. I mean, he became like the guy. And, uh, you know, to me, he was just, you know, my friend who would, you know, give me a ride to practice because he had his car in Florida and I didn't have mine. So, I mean, you know, that's the personal side of baseball that I just think is, you know, is unmatched by anything else. You talked about how, you know, when you were in this period, you weren't ready to walk away. You felt you were getting better. But has there come a point maybe in in your first six years in the Mets organization or at any point this past season where you did come close to walking away? Honestly, no, not at all. I mean, I think, you know, the only thing that's changing now is just more stuff in my personal life. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to be getting married this next next, uh, fall. Um, But, I mean, everybody has, you know, their own, you know, timetable, I think. And, you know, and it's, I think it's very important, you know, like my fiance, I mean, she's could not be more supportive and, and uh, more excited for this upcoming year because she sees the opportunity too for me. And she's, you know, just pulling for me as, you know, as, as my uh, career continues. So I think honestly, I'd never even considered something to play because I knew I still had so much more to give, you know, and I think I'm, I am lucky. I mean, I, in the position I play as a you know left-handed reliever, you know, I mean that's you know it's a very common saying throughout you know the baseball community is everybody needs pitching. You can't have enough pitching, and there's a reason for it. And in and in my case, you know, if I can, uh, you know, strengthen you know my the best parts of of my game, you know, now I'm you know I can either be a left specialist, I could be, you know, I could you know become a short reliever or a long reliever. I mean, either way, I think I'm I have there's still more um, opportunity in front of me to, uh, you know, enhance my skills a little bit more. Adam, how much do you read about stuff written about you, specifically by people that haven't met you in person or even talked to you before? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I don't, honestly. Uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't even know if there is stuff out there or if there's not. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably not that much about, you know, a double-A, triple-A uh, relief pitcher. Um, but, you know, what, what, whatever is out there, I mean, I, I'm not too concerned with it, especially because um, they're not the people that make the decisions. You know, it's you know, it's it's the coaches on the field, it's the front office that are walking around, you know, spring training, watching everybody work out, and are getting the game reports each night. So I just worry about you know where where I am. You know, how do I learn the most from my pitching coach that's you know I'm with at the time, and you know another person that's very valuable to me that I think more pitchers need to you know, utilizes the 
the hitting coach. You know, how can I learn what hitters are thinking? And to me, you know, those are the people whose opinions matter. Um, you know, not anything that's ever written or anything that's out there. Was there someone in particular that encouraged you to talk to hitting coaches? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, the, that that came from uh, my childhood. One of my coaches that I played for and one of my best friend's dad's, uh, same Steve Lombardozzi. And Steve, he played uh, with the Twins um, for a number of years and won a World Series with them as a you know, starting second baseman. And uh, His son, Stevie, um, actually, uh, just a half hour ago, I was playing catch with. Um, getting ready for the season. I mean, he, you know, made it to the big leagues with the Nationals and the Pirates. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm very close to Steve and Stevie. And um, that was just a tip I got from, uh, you know, Coach Steve. He told me to really utilize the hitting coaches because, you know, they're, tra- they're trying to figure us out and we're trying to figure them out. So it's just a good uh, tool to use throughout the year. Adam, when it comes down to contracts, currently – You've just signed that minor league deal with the Braves and has a major league invite. Um, I'm not looking for financial numbers, but is there a big difference between those deals you had with, at the time, the Orioles and the Rays and the Braves compared to what you had with the entry-level deal that just about everybody gets in their their first foray into Pro Bowl? Right. Um, I mean, it's it's a significant difference, and it certainly helps me to, you know, just make the decision I'm doing the right thing. You know, it's not, I mean, everybody comes to a certain point where, you know, the money runs out, especially in the minors where you have to then, you know, think about, you know, your life with your family and everything and make a, you know, financial decision. But, you know, I am fortunate now that, you know, to finally be off of that minor league pay scale where I can now actually, you know, make a good living for the summer and, uh, and, you know, it's certainly going to help pay for the wedding and, then, you know, all the you know, it's just the personal side of everything. You know, I now get to, you know, I can finish paying off my school loans, you know, finish uh, paying off, helping pay off for the wedding. And, you know, then down the line, it's, you know, I need to take more steps in life. You know, it's, it's definitely helpful. Not many guys do get through to, you know, six years and seven years in pro ball. And you've done that and, and you've earned that minor league deal, which does pay better than the entry-level contract. Is there some gratification there that you have made it this far? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's you know, it was never my goal to, you know, hey, let's play in the minors for six years so I can get off the base. I mean, the goal is just to make it to the big leagues and be as good of a player as I can be. So it's just, it's just part of it now. I mean, it's, you know, it's this exciting new side of baseball where I can finally start, you know, you know, selfishly in a way, you know, you know, earn my money and continue as a professional. I mean, it's, it, you know, as a kid, you don't think about it, you know, you're not like, you know, I can't wait to be a minor league free agent to earn some money. It's, it's, it's never about that. I mean, to me, uh, once it is about that, then that's probably the time where you're, you know, where you're, you know, deciding to go play, you know, overseas, just to earn more money. You know, to me, that's, that's never the goal. To me, it's, it's about getting to the big leagues. And right now I just get to, uh, enjoy a little bit more now that I'm off of the, uh, the minor league pay scale. You did have a chance to play a couple of winters down in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Was uh, what was the most unique thing about that experience? Uh, it was it was incredible for me. It was a way that I got to continue working on my new arm angle um, throughout the winter and be you know very very prepared for this following uh, 
uh, for this, excuse me, for the previous spring training I just went through. So for me, it was like a perfect opportunity to continue throwing, facing live hitters, um, and being in a place that I've never been before in Puerto Rico is awesome. I mean, the weather's amazing. I mean, being on the beach on Christmas, playing baseball. I mean, it's, I mean, that's a pretty sweet, uh, sweet deal. Um, you know, I knew that if I made the most of that off season, it would help me in the following season there. And it really did. And Adam, you mentioned that you've got a fiance weddings coming up. Some of the money will help, the from this minor league, it will help contribute to that. Uh, how long did it take to find that balance between, you know, dedicating all you need and what's really an all encompassing job as a pro ball player while also balancing a personal life, which includes a soon to be wife. Sure. I mean, uh, I met my fiance, uh, my last semester at Maryland. So we've been together for this, for this whole minor league ride. I mean, she's been incredible. I mean, she, you know, sacrifices her own time to come visit me. And, um, but we, you know, we make the most of it. We have a blast doing it. I mean, her parents come visit sometimes along with her. So, I mean, we get to share this journey. I mean, in some of the cooler cities, I mean, she is able to come and visit and, you know, we'll get to, you know, check that off the list and place we visited and just, it was really cool. I mean, we have the time during the days, uh, you know, before the game, we'll just go out and explore and see what it has to offer. I mean, with the Mets, I mean, there were some cool towns like in Savannah, Georgia. I mean, that was a great place to, you know, visit and walk around and see all the history of that city. So, you know, you make the most of it and, you know, having her support, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it would not be um, easy to do this without her. The goal of the podcast, Adam, is to give people an idea of what it takes to survive in minor league baseball, really ignoring most of the on-field stuff. Uh, if you wanted to articulate something or some aspect of, of the life to people listening, you know, what would you want them to know about what's involved with the life? Uh, to me, I think um, you know, my dad taught me this, especially early on. He's like, you got to take care of the, vis- the physical the mental and the spiritual side of yourself as a human. And I always keep those three things in mind. So like physically, you know, I mean, as hard as it is to sleep on a bus and sleep at odd hours, you know, when you get in late, I mean, you got to get your rest, you got to eat well, and you can't just, you know, take shortcuts um, to help you sleep or to help you, you know, eat something quick and you got to fuel your body the right way. And then mentally, um, you know, I think having the right approach each day of having, um, I think one of my strongest suits, especially as relievers, having short-term memory. You know, you you can't you know think you're the man just because you're on a good streak, and you can't think that you know it's over and you're gonna and you know you're gonna get released tomorrow if you have a couple bad outings. So mentally keeping it strong, um, it's huge. And then spiritually, I mean that's for everybody this side, but for me, I mean I've I give my strength um, through my teammates, and you know we have different baseball chapel opportunities to you know, talk to local, you know, you know, just Bible study or, you know, preachers that'll come and different pastors that, you know, dedicate some of their time to helping players, you know, that, you know, we can't make it to church necessarily on a Sunday because of our games. So those three things to me, uh, I think keep me grounded and keep me strong. And, uh, you know, they've, um, they haven't failed me yet. So those are my three keys. Adam, that was all I had. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Very happy to see that you've got that Major League invite with the Braves. And I wish you all the luck coming up in a couple of months. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. All 
Our gratitude goes to Adam Kolarik for taking the time to share his story. Beyond the Slash Line is produced and hosted by me, Tim Hyman. Our graphics were created by the very talented Mike Passanisi. Music for this podcast comes from Ben Sound. If you're looking for royalty-free music, visit bensound.com. He has a full collection to pick from. Follow me on Twitter at Tim Hyman and follow the podcast at Beyond the SL. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to Beyond the Slash Line to get new episodes as soon as they're available. Or you can stop by my website, timhyman.com, to find the entire series. Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Slash Line.